there was a, an old church pastor, and um, he was digging around in his wardrobe one day, and he finds this box at the back with three eggs in it and 100 pound coins, and it completely baffles him. So he, he asks his wife, does she know anything about this? Do you know anything about this box? And uh, she looks a little bit sheepish and uh, a little bit embarrassed, and she admits to him of having hidden this box for 30 years of their marriage. And um, so he's a little bit confused and said, well, why are you embarrassed about it? She said, well, I didn't really want to hurt your feelings. He said, well, how could a box hurt my feelings? She said, well, every time I didn't think your sermon was great, I put an egg in it. And he's like, hmm. He's thinking, well, three eggs in 30 years, that's pretty good. He said, that's, that's nothing to be ashamed of. I'm, I'm quite proud of that. He said, and what about the 100-pound coins? She says, well, every time I got up to a dozen, I sold them to the neighbors for a pound. <laughs> So if Ruth offers you any eggs, you know. Um, so that's our topic today, encourage one another. That's what we read of, or have read of in the New Testament. So I want to look at uh, different ways that the word encouragement is used, kind of different flavors, if you like. If you're an ice cream fanatic, you'll know there's the vanillas, there's the chocolates, there's the strawberries, different flavors of the way that this word can be used uh, in the New Testament. And I also want to spend a little bit of time looking at Barnabas, who's called the son of encouragement, and see what we can learn practically from him uh, for our lives as well. But let's start with this word um, that we get in the, in the New Testament, the word paraklesis and all its derivatives. And as I say, it's translated differently depending what the context is that you read of it um, in, the, in the New Testament. Three main flavors to mention. Um, there's a sense of, in the con- context of suffering, it's uh, translated as comfort or consolation. Um, in the context of temptation, um, it's translated as exhortation. And in other contexts, it's simply used as encouragement or to urge or to spur one another on uh, in the faith. And it's a word that means calling out courage and strength from within someone to face a situation. Courage and strength to face uh, suffering and hardship that somebody might be going through in a difficult time. Courage and strength to resist temptation when the battle is on uh, in their lives. And courage and faith to hold fast to the faith when perhaps it's costing you a lot as a Christian, when the pressures come on or when the doubts uh, start to appear uh, in our hearts and in our lives. Paraclesis, to come alongside. That word para means alongside. It's where we get parallel lines from, to journey together, to journey alongside one another. Um, there's a, a famous Russian uh, Christian guy called Alexander Solzhenitsyn, I think is how you pronounce it, a prisoner in the Soviet uh, prisons in, si- in Siberia uh, on the work camps there. And he became so discouraged and uh, so weak uh, in the labor camps there that he wished that he would die. That's how desperate he got. And he realized that the, if you stopped working, then the, the Russian guards uh, would beat you and eventually kill you. That was usually what would happen. And so he decided that he was going to stop working, and this would be his end, and this would be his way out. But as soon as he did so, there was another Christian at that camp, and he simply drew a cross on a bit of stone, and he left it in a place where Alexander could see it every day. And he went on to say that that so encouraged him, remembering that there was a God of hope and a God of courage, and it was enough for him to continue uh, to live and to continue working, because one Christian cared so much to make a difference, not to let him go. And uh, 2 Corinthians is, a, is another book in the, in the Bible, which is all about hardship, is all about suffering, and uh, we read this in uh, verse 3 there. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. 
And that word comfort comes nine times in that passage. And it is this word, paraclesis. It's this word of encouragement, but in the sense and in the context of suffering uh, in people's lives. When Jesus promises the disciples another one just like him, um, he, he says he uses the word parakletos, uh, related to this as well. Someone who will come alongside the comforter, the encourager. It is at the very heart of who God is. The very, very heart of his character, the very heart of his nature is this desire to comfort, to encourage, and to uh, spur uh, people on in every single way. Um, these verses in 2 Corinthians basically kind of tell us that out of the suffering experiences we experience, the things that we go through, we are to somehow turn them into a gift to others, to turn them into ways of supporting others and encouraging others out of the, the suffering and out of the hardship that we've been through as well. So we're to encourage one another in the context of suffering and hardship and bring comfort and give strength to them. Mother Teresa's words, Kind words can be short and easy to speak, but their echoes are truly endless. Very easy to say a few things, very easy to draw something uh, visual for someone, and yet the echoes of those encouragements are endless uh, throughout people's lives. The second context, the second flavor, if you like, is temptation. And we read this in Hebrews chapter 12. Um, in your struggle against sin, uh, the writer writes in verse 4, you have forgotten that word of encouragement, or some translations, exhortation, that addresses you as sons. So the encouragement is to resist temptation, uh, another big theme that we read of. And then the third flavor is to kind of hold fast to the faith, which is uh, the, the verses that uh, Michelle read to us. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, and let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Encouragement to hold fast to the faith uh, when things get difficult. And he says one of the key ways we do that is by meeting together. By meeting together regularly on a Sunday, by being here, uh, I, I, just being here as, uh, as we had the presence of you is an encouragement to others. And by not being present, by being absent, we kind of take ourselves out of that God equation of encouragement. But by being present, whether it's on a Sunday, whether it's on time, whether it's early, whether it's in our groups, is a way of being part of God's encouragement equation uh, into the lives of one another. And in fact, the whole book of Hebrews is a whole book of encouragement. Um, it's fascinating to just look at it because it's about a group of Christians who have fallen away from the, the faith. They're, they're not holding fast to the faith. And uh, in their context, they're moving back into Judaism and to the law of Moses. And so the writer is encouraging them to look at Jesus afresh. And so he starts at the beginning and he says, Jesus is greater than the angels. And then he moves on in chapter 3 and he says, Jesus is greater than Moses. And then he moves on and says, Jesus is greater than the high priest. In fact, he is the great high priest. So don't fall away, but look to Jesus uh, in everything. And he highlights a few stages that happens as we kind of drift uh, away from God. And uh, I thought it'd be helpful to look at. Right at the beginning, chapter 2, he talks, he says, do not drift away from God's words. So don't neglect God's words in your life because they are words of encouragement into our lives. And then he goes on in chapter 3 and he says, you know, don't doubt God's words. Um, he talks about being hard-hearted. Um, uh, see to it that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another 
verse 13. Don't harden your hearts. So don't drift away from God's word. Don't doubt God's word. And then he goes on in chapter 5 and 6 and says, don't be dulled to God's word um, through laziness. Um, he says, you're slow to learn. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. Don't become lazy, um, but actually be, be kind of committed to really living out and learning God's words in our lives. And then he goes on from that and says, don't despise God's words, you know, through willful disobedience in chapter 10, verse 26. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we've received the knowledge of the truth uh, and ultimately defying God's word in chapter 12 by refusing to hear his word. And so it's in that, that context that we read Hebrews 10, 23 to 25, as Michelle read to us. That great chapter after it, Hebrews chapter 11, the great heroes of faith are there to encourage us. And he says, don't give up meeting together, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. And so that's why we have groups uh, in the church, life groups and community groups, uh, alpha groups, 18 to 30s groups, our space for the 30s and over, prayer gatherings to meet together to encourage one another uh, in the faith. And so they are great places to be part of God's encouragement equation um, as we support one another in that way. And at the very end of uh, chapter 10 in verse 39 of Hebrews, he says, we are not those. We are not those who shrink back um, and are destroyed, but are those who believe and are saved. And uh, the word for destroyed I was looking at might actually be better translated as wasted, not in the hippie sense, but uh, it was used when um, the woman comes to Jesus with the perfume and the disciples say, why are you wasting all this perfume on Jesus? Um, it's that same word that is used. And so Hebrews 10 is about an encouragement to live well and not waste our lives. You know, our world will so quickly draw us to waste our lives and not focus on who Jesus is. So don't shrink back from your faith in Jesus. You know, if you're a young person here today, that can be challenging, but don't shrink back from your faith in Jesus and waste your life, but embrace him and live life well. And so encourage one another. Call out courage and strength uh, to face difficulty. Call out courage and strength to face temptation. And call out courage and strength to hold fast to the faith is the call uh, that we have. Someone was once asked, how do I identify someone who needs encouragement? And the reply was, check to see if they're breathing. Okay? We all need it, every single one of us. But I also feel I can't talk about encouragement without really looking at Barnabas. Um, because he's called the son of encouragement. So how can you omit him from a talk like this? So I want to just look at four short passages and then make some comments uh, on them. Uh, the first is about his generosity in chapter 4 of Acts. <coughs> Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and he put it at the apostles' feet. A little thing about generosity. The next one is from Acts 11. And uh, there was a great number of Greeks who've just come to faith in Jesus. Verse 22, news of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem. And they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and he encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul ministered. The whole thing about partnership. Acts 13, 
boldness. The crowds gave, were giving him a hard time. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly. We had to speak the word of God to you. And then the fourth little passage uh, in Acts 15 is about seeing potential in people. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the brothers in all the towns where we've preached and see how they're doing. And Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul didn't think it wise because he deserted them in Pamphylia. Verse 39, they had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company that Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. So four little cameos of Barnabas the encourager. And it's interesting to see that it's the apostles that give him the name. They change his name from Joseph to Barnabas. It's like a nickname they've given him. And many of you will know that Barnabas literally means son of encouragement. Bar means son of. So like in Scotland, we have Mac means son of. So MacDonald. In England, you have Donaldson. Uh, in Ireland, you have O'Donnell of Donald. And so it is with Barnabas, son of encouragement is his name. And so these four cameos give us some insight as to what that encouragement looks like in a very practical way in his life that we can learn from. Firstly, he partnered for the gospel. He partnered in the work of the gospel, Acts 11. He was a traveling companion for Paul. He supported him in so many ways. He went looking for Paul to bring him to Antioch because he knew his gifting would be an encouragement. When they went on the missionary journey, they went together, they ministered together. They were inseparable for some three years, traveled thousands of miles, church planting and enduring suffering together. Paul gets uh, attacked and uh, nearly stoned to death at one point, and it's Barnabas who takes care of him and gets him safely to the next destination. There are times when they're persecuted together. Their partnership makes them far more effective and far more fruitful than just individually. And so they encourage the church, and they encourage and they comfort one another. And so the question for each of us is, how can we support others to enable them to do greater things for God? You know, who are the people in our sphere of life that we can encourage to do greater things for God? Whether it's in their workplace, whether it's in their school or their community or in their college, um, in their families. Um, what are the things that we can do to encourage others to do greater things for God? You know, what will it take to encourage us to do greater things for God? And, and who are the people that we can encourage? Um, and often they're people in our, in our life groups um, as we partner with them. So he partners for the gospel. Secondly, he was bold and courageous in Acts 13. He had great boldness and courage, did Barnabas. And it's a trait that encourages us because when you see someone standing up for their faith, it encourages us, doesn't it? We see it in a, in a situation. Someone speaks out, someone says something, somebody stands up against some injustice. And we see that boldness and it inspires us as well. And so when we're bold and courageous, then that is an encouragement to other people uh, around us because I think it dispels fear. And uh, one of the things you know, that happens in our lives is when is fear comes because we lack faith in God. We think we can't do something um, because, of, because it seems so insurmountable. It's in the book of Joshua, isn't it, where Joshua is exhorted to be bold and to be courageous. Don't be afraid because bold companions give us strength and give us courage. I was thinking just the past few weeks, and uh, uh, you might have seen the thing in the news about Cliff Richard taking on the BBC. I was thinking that must take enormous courage for one individual to take on an institution like that. You know, whatever your thoughts are about that. Um, but it's, it takes courage to stand up 
against any injustice. You know, to bring good change to our world takes boldness and courage. And uh, we need so much of that. But our bold stance encourages others. It has that ripple effect around us. And I don't mean about being loud and obnoxious kind of boldness, but that sensitive boldness that is, is, is good in God. John Wesley apparently wrote the following letter from his deathbed to William Wilberforce to encourage him in his prolonged fight against slavery. Unless the divine power has raised you up, he wrote, I see not how you can go through your glorious enterprise in opposing that abominable practice of slavery, which is the scandal of religion of England and of human nature. Unless God has raised you up for this very thing, you will be worn out by the opposition of men and devils. But if God be with you, who can be against you? Are all of them together stronger than God? Go on then in the name of God and in the power of his might. And if God has given you a task, don't worry um, or be fearful, but be bold and courageous in it, doing good um, in his name. The third thing we see is this ability that Barnabas had to see the potential in others and to encourage it in other key people in Acts 15. You know, even going back to Saul, when, when Saul, who was the, the persecutor of the church, says, I've become a Christian, no, nobody really takes him seriously. He's like, really? But it's Barnabas who stands alongside him. Literally, he's the one alongside him as the encourager. Um, and when they fall out over John Mark, it's Barnabas that stands by Mark. And he sees the chance of redemption. He sees the chance of growth in this young guy's life. And eventually, um, that is all comes to, to fruition, doesn't it? Because he becomes a great evangelist as Mark. In fact, writes Mark's gospel. Um, and uh, eventually, they're reconciled to Paul as well. But it's Barnabas' encouragement to see the potential in other people that propels them into growth opportunities for their lives. You know, what growth opportunities are you encouraging people into? The people around you. It might be in your workplace. It might be in your life group. It might be in the team that you're part of. Uh, just friends that you have. Um, who are we encouraging into growth opportunities? Um, it's worth saying there's a little key difference between affirming people and encouraging people that I find very, very helpful. Both of them are really important. But affirmation is about affirming someone in something they've already done. So that was a great job you've done. That's a great, great thing you've done. Well done on that. Or that, that prayer, that's your first prayer you've ever prayed out loud. Now you might not think it was much, but it warmed God's heart and it encouraged us. So that's affirmation. Okay, affirming something that has been done. Encouragement is stretching someone into something they've not yet done or about to do and encouraging them, giving them courage, giving them the strength so that they can step out outside their comfort zone but with the, the confidence and the courage uh, to do so. And uh, who are the people around you? Who are the people in your group? Who are the people in your family? Who are the people in your workplace that you can look for that potential in to both affirm and to encourage in some way and propel them forwards? I came across this quote. I love it. It says, Our chief want is someone who will inspire us to be what we know we could be. Our chief want is to find someone who will inspire us to be what we know we could be. And probably there are many in education even today who know that as a daily opportunity and a daily challenge, uh, encouraging young people to be all that they can be. But in so many ways, we can encourage 
potential in others. And then the fourth thing we see in Barnabas is this generous devotion, um, this sacrificial and humble devotion in his life. And actually, this is where it all begins in Acts chapter 4, verse 36 to 37. He sold a field that he owned, and he brought the money, and he put it at the apostles' feet. You know, so often we want to do great things for God somewhere later in the future, but actually it's about what does God want us to do now? What do we do in the present? Um, and these things grow in us as we trust God in the now. We sow now and we reap later. You know, we sacrifice now and we find fruitfulness later. And it's significant that Barnabas, his first act of faith that we read about was a financial act of faith. Okay, we know that the love of money is the great idol. We know the power that it has upon our lives and in our world. And Jesus spoke much about it and taught much about it. Sorry. Um, but here's Barnabas who starts to find out and deals with this really early in his journey uh, with God. And he sets the sails of his devotional life to be radically and sacrificially generous. He sells a field and he brings the money to the apostles' feet and it is distributed to anyone who had, as he had need. He doesn't give it with any strings attached, um, but he submits it to the apostles to be used in the early church. And what an encouragement our giving can be and our generosity can be. Another way to encourage. And so we see the son of encouragement uh, at work, partnering in the gospel. How can we support others to enable them to do greater things for God? Um, who can you partner with so that you can be encouraged uh, in your life? Boldness. Don't be fearful, but be bold and courageous. It encourages others. And uh, find those who will also inspire you in that. You know, what potential do you see in others that you can encourage and propel uh, forwards? And sacrificial devotion and generosity encourages others. Uh, the American writer, um, uh, William Arthur Ward said this. He said, flatter me and I may not believe you. Criticize me and I may not like you. Ignore me and I may not forgive you. But encourage me, I will not forget you. 